Welcome to Activate Church Podcast, and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you, and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. Okay, so grab your Bibles out. We're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 15, and just giving you a little bit of context to this particular story. Uh, Saul, as I said, was the king of the Israelites, and the, uh, God had given a message to Saul. He'd, he'd asked him to do something on behalf of God, and that was to go and, quote, devote to destruction a people group called the Amalekites. Now, the Amalekites were the first people group that actually opposed the Israelites when they left Egypt out of slavery. They were the first group of people that actually came to wage war against the Israelites and caused harm to them. So God said back then, that's it, they're done, I'm going to wipe them from the face of the planet. Pretty harsh, but, you know, that's God. (laughs) But he's also love, so that's awesome. (laughs) So... He says to Saul, Saul, this is your job. You're going to devote to destruction the Amalekites. So Saul gathers his army. He goes to find the Amalekites and wages war against them. And God uh, blessed the Israelites as they fought the Amalekites and they won. But wasn't really, it didn't really go how uh, it should have gone. God had said to Saul, before he went to fight the Amalekites, he said, I want you to devote to destruction everything. You have to kill men, women, children. Nothing is to be left alive. Animals, whether they're great animals or, you know, a little bit sick or lame, kill it all. Everything has to go. These people have to be gone from the face of the planet. That's it. So we'll pick this story up at verse 9, where we kind of see what happens after Saul comes back. It says, But Saul and the people spared Agag, who was the king of the Amalekites, and the best of the sheep, and of the oxen, and of the fattened calves, and the lambs, and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless, they devoted to destruction. The word of the Lord came to Samuel, who was a prophet at the time. God said to Samuel, I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned his back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And Samuel was angry and he cried to the Lord all night. And Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning. And it was told Samuel, Saul came to Carmel and behold, he set up a monument for himself and turned and passed on and went down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul and Saul said to him, Blessed be, your, blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What then is this bleating of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have devoted to destruction." Then Samuel said to Saul, stop, I will tell you what the Lord has said to me this night. And he said to him, speak. And Samuel said, though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel and the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go, devote to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed." Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? 
And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I have bought Agag, king of Amalek, and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the best of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, it is better to obey than to sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Ouch. Let's pray, shall we? Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the thing that it teaches us about who you are and your character, Father. And we pray that tonight as we sit under your word, God, would you give me your words by your Holy Spirit? And Father, would you give us open ears to hear what it is that you have for us tonight? These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I need you guys to, uh, to participate with me tonight, all right? If there's something good, say good. If there's something awesome, say mm-hmm. Um, or the other way around. Uh, that would be really helpful for me. Um, I didn't introduce myself. Uh, Ruth did so beautifully. Thank you. That was quite embarrassing. But um, it's, it's lovely to be with you tonight. As Ruth said, my name's Gabby. I'm the uh, creative pastor here at Activate Church. I am married and uh, expecting our first baby in 10 weeks. 10 weeks. Very exciting times. Um, and uh, I tell you what, uh, I don't know how many people in this room have been pregnant before. Um, mm-hmm. Russell over here, <laughs> pregnant with the word of the Lord or something, maybe. Uh, but let me tell you, um, pregnancy does some uh, very strange things to your body. Um, obviously, you, you get big, and uh, it does very strange things to your head as well. You get all emotional and, you know, all the fathers in the room say amen. Mm-hmm. All the husbands, the poor things. Sorry, Vincent. And uh, it does strange things to your head. For those of you who know me, uh, I'm not an outdoorsy person, right? I don't do sport. Um, I don't wear active wear. Um, I don't really go outdoors a lot. The couch is probably one of my favourite places to be. So just giving you a little insight, hello, uh, this, is, this is basically me in a nutshell. Uh, anyway, when I was in my first trimester of pregnancy, I told you that it does weird things to you. I looked at Vin and I said to him, oh my gosh, Vin, we need to do some more outdoorsy things. And he kind of gave me this look like, okay, <laughs> all right, she's lost the plot. And he said, all right, you know, if that's really what you want to do, then you go for your life. And uh, so I said, it's fine, I'll plan it, you know, I'll, I'll plan like a nice day trip or something. It was kind of spring and it was lovely. And so I had a look at the map during the week and I found that the Tulangi State Forest wasn't far from our place. Nice little drive. And so Saturday rolled around and I said to Vin, right, that's it, let's get in the car. I've got a, uh, a great day trip planned for us up to Tulangi State Forest. And he was like, okay, great. So we, sna- we packed our snacks and our, you know, drinks in our bags. I put on my active wear that I never really wear. 
and we jumped in the car. I love to drive, so I said to Vin, I'll drive and uh, you can navigate. I'm not very good at navigating. Um, I'm the kind of person that turns the map around to see where I'm going, Um, so it's always best that Vin does the navigating when we're going anywhere so that we actually get there. So anyway, we jump in the car, Vin's navigating and we drive up to Tulangi State Forest. It was one of those beautiful mornings that was kind of sunny and cold, like really good for a nice walk. So we get up to Tulangi State Forest to the main entrance, you know, turn left here. Went in the driveway, it was this beautiful, you know, graded road, nice and wide, lots of traffic, you know, people coming in and out. There were these massive signs for, you know, this is the main car park, you know, uh, barbecue area over here, you know, this trail and that trail and, you know, pick your shoes, go where you like, but this is where it all is. And so Vin had uh, put into the GPS Tulangi State Forest and so I was just listening to him as we kind of, you know, navigated through. The GPS was telling us where to go and uh, he was guiding me along the way. So we turn in this driveway, pass all these signs and uh, Vin says, all right, next left. And so take a left. Okay, next right. Take a right. Next left. Take a left. And uh, it just kind of kept going and going. And you know when it starts to just not quite feel right? Like you're you're not really heading in the right direction and you kind of start to get that feel. The road started getting a little bit narrower, you know, the gravel got a little bit chunkier, like it was kind of only for four-wheel drives and things like that. Here we are in our little Subaru, you know, plodding along down these tracks And uh, we ended up getting to this part of the forest where we were beginning to descend (laughs) down these tiny little roads. And uh, Vin said, all right, this is the the last right that we need to take and then we should be there, wherever there was. (laughs) So we take this right, we look at this road, and I'm telling you, this is like fire trucks only business. Like no suburban Subaru is going to go down that track and come out looking the same. So... I looked at this road, I looked at Vin, I put the handbrake on and I was like, dude, we are not in the right spot right now. We are so far off the beaten trail. I am getting to that point where I'm getting like quite terrified. (laughs) Like we looked at the phone and the GPS had cut out so we had no reception (laughs) in the middle of the forest and your brain starts to go at a million miles an hour at that point. Anybody, has anybody been lost in that kind of situation before? Yes, okay. So you start to get a little bit panicky, right? And here's, here's how my brain was working at the time. Okay, how many uh, snacks have we got in the back? Um, okay, we've got, oh yeah, it might last us 24 hours, although I am really, really hungry, so maybe only 12 hours. Um, we've got some drinks and we've got a picnic rug. That's great. Okay, picnic rug's good. We can, you know, wrap ourselves. We might need to live here. It'll be fine. It'll be great. This is a really nice home, you know. Our car's lovely. You know, we can just park it here and, you know, go all bare grills and it'll be awesome. And so we're getting, I'm getting to this stage where I'm kind of panicking and uh, we, anyway, it it turns out that Vin's actually got a really excellent memory for directions and he was able to actually turn us around and get us 
kind of back to where, you know, the main entrance was, just based on his, you know, I don't know, spiritual gift of maps or something. (laughs) I don't know if that is one, but I think it should be. So we end up getting back to the main uh, car park area, and it just just made me realise that, honestly, that GPS had no idea. What had happened was it had dropped a pin in the very middle of Talangi State Forest. So we weren't going to the main entrance. We were going right into the depths of the forest, and that is where we ended up, and it was terrifying. And I tell you what, I've never felt more trapped than I did in that moment. No GPS, no idea how to get myself out of here. And I realised at that point that it is a trap to listen to the wrong voices, right? It is a trap to listen to the wrong voices. In our day and age, we are absolutely bombarded with so much information, so much Uh, advice and opinions. Did anyone, who, put your hand up if you got involved in that conversation about the pedestrian lights this week, (laughs) right? Every time you open up Facebook, there is something, whether it's useful or not, there is something that you can take on board as additional information to what you had already. Instagram, it's visual information, and then, you know, an essay post underneath, There's all sorts of stuff. Twitter, news, you go to uni, they're feeding you in lectures. You go to work, there's emails and, you know, PDs and all sorts of things that you're doing. All of the information in the world is available to us right now. And it gets to the point where it's really, really easy to become led by those voices, right? Until I became pregnant, I didn't realise how much information there was about being pregnant, what to do, what not to do, do eat this, don't eat that, sleep this way, don't sleep that way. And raising kids, oh my gosh, there is so much information about raising kids and everybody will give you advice, which on one hand I really appreciate because obviously I haven't done this parenting thing before, so I've got no idea. And it would be really handy to have people's advice, right? But everybody wants to give you advice. Let me tell you the two pieces of advice that I have gotten the most since being pregnant, right? Number one, enjoy your sleep, (laughs) right? And they say it to you with that kind of wink and a smile, enjoy your sleep. And you're kind of like, well, really, if anyone knew anything about me, I love my sleep. I enjoy every single second of sleep that I get. Don't you worry. I wake up in the morning looking forward already to going to bed at night. That's how much I love my sleep. So that kind of, you know, that kind of rolled off the, off the back. The other piece of advice that everybody gives you after they've given you all of this advice, they also say, by the way, don't take anyone's advice. Right? They give you all of this advice and then they say, don't take anyone's advice. Listen to your body, listen to your baby and you'll be fine, right? All this advice and it's so easy to become led by those voices that you hear all the time. So easy. We see in this scripture that Saul was even one who became led by the opinions of the people around him. 
And you can only imagine how difficult it would be for Saul, right? He's the king of the Israelites. He's got a lot of people that are around him all the time, a lot of opinions, a lot of advice, a lot of information coming to him all the time. I can only imagine him standing, you know, at the, at the battlefront with the Amalekites and they've basically, you know, they're in the middle of battle and he's casually, you know, like, you know, having a sword fight with this guy whilst one of the guys in his ear is saying, oh yeah, but, you know, look at those sheep over there. They're really nice sheep. We haven't got really good sheep like that at home. Surely it would be fine with God if we took home that really good sheep because then we could sacrifice it to God and as if he's going to be angry about that, right? That makes sense. Or, you know, they're standing there about to slaughter all these animals, which is horrible to think about, but someone says to him, yeah, but these oxen, they're awesome. Like, we don't have oxen like that at home. These are like the cream of the crop. We should really take them home with us. And, you know, as if God's going to be angry about us bringing home the oxen. Or what if we just bring King Agag back and, you know, we can, I don't know, torture him or something. Like, why not bring him back? Let's use him. Why do we have to kill him? Let's not kill him. Let's take him home with us. He could be a great resource, right? Like so many people with opinions in his head all the time, these voices that just don't stop all the time. It doesn't surprise me that he ended up going with what the people around him were saying. But why did he? Why did he end up going with the opinions of the people around him? When he knew that God had said to him, you need to devote to destruction everything. I think it's because Saul cared more about the opinions of the people than the opinion of God. He was listening to those voices that were in his head all the time. And he wanted to be the guy that was liked at the end of the day. So he said yes to them instead of yes to God. He was insecure. He wasn't confident. He wasn't secure in the things that God had asked of him, in who he was, in the authority that God had placed in his hand. So he went with what everyone else said. Have you ever had a song stuck in your head? Has anyone had a song stuck in their head? Yes. I think we all have. You know what? uh, One of the songs that I've recently had stuck in my head a lot. Every time I open Facebook, I seem to find these movie trailers for Beauty and the Beast. Right? Tale as old as time, true as it may be. Every time I open Facebook, and I'll tell you what, they are the only two lines I know from the whole song. And that is not a lie. Oh, beauty and the beast. Three. (laughs) Tell you what, over and over and over in my head all the time, I ended up getting to a point where I was like, right, that's it. I'm going to Google. I'm going to look at the lyrics. And next time you come at me, bro, I'm going to sing the whole song. (laughs) And so I did. And I thought that that would fix it. But then I just started from the start and went through the whole thing all over again. 
oh my gosh, it didn't fix it at all. Now I know the entire Beauty and the Beast theme song. (laughs) So whenever it gets stuck in my head, I can sing it to you multiple times. And it's great. My dad told me a story just recently of a motorbike trip that he went on from Canberra to Melbourne. And there was a song that he had stuck in his head. He was going up a hill on the motorbike and it reminded him of a song called The Grand Old Duke of York. (laughs) Oh, the Grand Old Duke of York, he had 10,000 men. He marched them up to the top of the hill and he marched them down again. And when they were up, they were up. And when they were down, they were down. And when they were only halfway up, they were neither up or down. Oh, the grand old Duke of York. (laughs) From Canberra to Melbourne. (laughs) You know, you get those songs stuck in your head, right? Saul had a song stuck in his head. These voices stuck in his head. And it ended up causing God to regret making Saul king. You can't choose what you hear. You can filter a little bit, but generally you can't choose what you hear. But you can choose what you obey. A couple of years ago, uh, before I was creative pastor here at Activate, I was serving on the creative team uh, and there was someone that was running the, the main band, the morning band, and someone running the youth band for the PM services. And the, the person running the youth band ended up leaving. And so that, that spot was vacant, that role needed to be filled. And I knew that I was capable, I knew that I could do it. So I put my hand up. I was like, yep, I can do that, I can fill that space. So I stepped into that role and I started to lead the youth band at the time. I was serving uh, every Sunday night and then some mornings as well. I had a lot going on outside of church life. Um, There was some pretty crazy stuff happening in my family at the time. Um, I was working full time and I started to get these voices that kind of popped up in my head, usually on a Sunday night after I'd stepped down off the platform after this amazing worship experience And these voices would start, you're really tired. You've been working really hard lately. You can do this job, but is it really what God is calling you to? Are you just doing this job because you can? Because you've got the skills and the abilities to fulfill the role? Has God even called you to this time and place? Has God called you to worship ministry? In my head, all the time. And it got to a point where I started listening to those voices over the voices of the people who would encourage me after I had led worship and they had encountered the presence of God. I started listening to those voices after being encouraged by the people in the team who were enjoying being under my leadership. I started listening to those voices So I ended up meeting with Pastor Ben and I sat down with him and I said, "Um, I don't really feel like I'm called to do this job. You know, I'm I'm not called to this role. I don't know if I'm called to worship ministry. I don't know if this is what God wants for me to do right now. And Ben said, all right, well, you know, uh, Think about it, go home, pray about it. Have you asked God what he thought? That's probably a good place to start. (laughs) 
pray about it, come back to me. So I went home, I prayed about it. I ended up taking six months off the creative team. So I didn't serve in any capacity for a while because I was really challenged by that thought. And in that time, I prayed, I asked God what he thought, and I ended up having a really significant dream. You know, sometimes when you wake up from some dreams and you just can't quite shake, you know, they, they feel significant to you for some reason. I remember waking up from this one dream and it felt really significant. So I spoke to a, a close and trusted friend of mine and I said, I've had this dream. I think it means something, but I don't know what. Can you help me kind of figure it out? So she sat with me, um, she prayed over it, she um, talked it through and, and ended up kind of helping me to figure out what this dream could mean. And it turned out that so many of the, the symbols and the parts of this dream kind of culminated into this very direct, kind of, um, you know, undeniable message from God that he was the one who was giving me the authority for that time and place to do worship ministry. He'd said to me, you know, this isn't, that authority doesn't come from you. It's not just because you say, yes, I can, that all of a sudden I give you authority. I had placed that authority over you long before that. So all of a sudden, it kind of changed in my mind, my view on being called to worship all of a sudden, I felt so much more secure in stepping back into that space because I knew that it wasn't my own authority that I was giving to myself. I knew that God had placed that authority on me because he'd spoken to me. He'd shared that dream with me. And now I knew that I could step into that space confident that I was called to it. Listening to those wrong kinds of voices really often can lead to insecurity. It gets you to a place where you start to question your calling, gets you to a space where you start to question who you are as a person, who God has created you to be. And it's a really dangerous place to be in. The thing that really scared me about that, looking back at that particular story, is that if I hadn't have stepped back into that creative space, if I hadn't have, you know, come back to that worship ministry after God had asked me to, somebody else would have done it, yeah. right? Somebody else would have stepped into that role. Somebody else would have pastored that team. Somebody else would have led worship. Somebody else could be standing right here today. God needed the job done, so he would have fulfilled it with somebody if I hadn't have said yes. We see in the scripture that at the end of the day, God had asked Saul to kill the king of the Amalekites and Saul didn't do it. So Samuel was the one that ended up killing the king. God needed that job done, so he got someone to do it, right? Insecurity will shape your disobedience. Insecurity will shape your disobedience. Insecurity is always based in fear, Yeah. Insecurity is based in this fear of getting it wrong, this fear of being on the outside or not being accepted, this fear of doing the wrong thing, yeah? Insecurity shapes your disobedience. It looks like, for Saul, blaming other people, 
He wanted to be the guy that was really respected by Samuel. So when Samuel questioned why those animals and the king were still alive, he was like, well, the people did it. The people were the one that brought the animals back. It wasn't me. I didn't do it. They made me do it. He blamed others. He would attach himself to other people. He was incredibly insecure. It says in in chapter 14, just before we get to this story, the last verse says that he was the kind of person that was so insecure that he would attach himself to other valiant men because he wanted that kind of persona himself. So he was thinking, oh, that guy's really strong. So if I stand next to him, I might look really buff too. So he was the kind of person that would attach himself to others I don't know whether you've ever met someone that you really like or you really admire, but oftentimes it's really easy to kind of get sucked into wanting to be just like them, yeah? You know, you kind of take on their mannerisms or you start talking about the things that they're talking about. It's really easy to do. The problem for Saul was that he was really small in his own mind. It says in the scripture, Samuel says to him, You are the king of the Israelites. Are you so small in your own mind that you would obey the people that are underneath your leadership? Yeah? He was small in his own mind. And I can't help but think that if he was more secure in who he was, he would have had no trouble being more obedient. He would have known who he was. He would have known what he was called to. And as soon as God said go, he would have gone. He would have done it. He wouldn't have been worried about what other people said because he knew, he knew what God had asked him to do. When I think about listening to that dream that God gave me in the space where I was um, taking time out of creative, that dream allowed me to be more secure in my calling because I'd heard the word of God. I'd heard him speak to me. And so I could step confidently back into that space because I knew that that was what he was asking of me. And what I realised in that time is that when you know the voice of God, when you've heard his words, you can be so secure in who you are and what he's called you to because your foundations are firm. Your foundations are firm. We see in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 to 27. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it crashed and great was the fall of it. I didn't know this, but in the context of this scripture, the place where it was written about, that sand that they're talking about, building your house on sand, it sounds silly to us because we know sand to be, you know, mushy, right? But this sand was desert sand So with no rain for a really long period of time, it became as hard as rock, yeah? It looked like you could build something on it and that thing would stand. It wouldn't be a problem. But the fact of the matter was that no matter how rock hard that sand was in the dry seasons, as soon as the rain came, turned it to mush. 
we're not silly. We don't build our security on things that look like they're going to fall over. We wouldn't go and build our house on the sand. But it's very easy to build your house on the things that look secure. Very, very easy. You lean where you listen. You lean where you listen. Just don't lean so far that your calling comes crashing down. You have to understand that your foundation is greater than your fears. The God who wrote the plan for your life is your firm foundation. He is your rock. He is where you build your house. He is where you secure yourself too because He is immovable. His Word is true. He doesn't change. His love is never ending. It is relentless. He is the one thing that you can tie yourself to that won't shake. Saul took what we thought, what he thought looked like the safe option. He went with the majority of people because that was what he could hear at the time. It seemed like at the end of the day, they're going to like him. So that's going to be awesome for him. He took what he thought was the safe option. We've got 2020 hindsight reading scripture, right? We know silly Saul. That was the worst thing he could have done. It wasn't the safest option at all. You are always safer in the minority with God than in the majority with other people. Always safer in the minority with God than the majority with other people. God is only one God, but one word from God will trump a million from anybody else. It's really important for us to know that we can't get rid of those external voices. We can't get rid of those external voices. They'll always be there. There will always be information and advice and opinions available to us. What we need to get really good at is learning to distinguish the God opinion over the global opinion. We need to get so good at hearing his voice that above all of the opinions of the earth, we know his voice first. We don't question his voice because we know it so well. How do you do that? You read the word, you read this, you learn to hear what he sounds like. You learn to know what his character is like. So the second that a choice comes before you that contradicts the character of God, you know about it because you know about who he is. You know his voice. The other way you can do it is just take time to listen. How often do we stop and just listen? So often we bring our prayer list to God And we sit there and we list off all the things that we want. But when do we actually stop and listen? Allow him to speak. I know that, you know, competing opinions and difficulties in making choices can be really hard. You know, there are some really difficult decisions that we have to make in life. And sometimes it can be really hard to hear the voice of God, to know what he sounds like. But there's a spiritual gift that we learn about in Scripture called the gift of discernment. And it's something that God gives us in order to help us distinguish the difference between the voice of God and the voice of other people. And the beautiful thing about the grace of God is that He allows us to ask Him for things like the gift of discernment and He will grow that in us. He grows that gift in us of being able to distinguish His voice over others. 
So if you're struggling with that, try asking. He's a gracious God. He's a loving God. He's a generous God. He will give you what you need to hear his voice. Just don't wait until you're lost to learn to hear his voice. Don't wait until you're lost to learn to hear his voice. When you learn to hear, you can overcome your fear. It rhymes, so it must be true. When you learn to hear, you can overcome your fear. Because your security shapes your obedience. When you're secure in who you are, when secure when you're secure in who you're called to be, in what God has called you to, you have so much less trouble being obedient. Because you know the voice of God. You know what he's said to you. You know what he's asked of you. You know his character. You know that he has a plan for your life. And so when he asks you something really hard, even, you can make that really tough choice because you know that he is your firm foundation. He is the rock that you build your house on, not the sand. It may look appealing, may suit at the time, it's going to fall away in a second. When I think about Vin and I travelling to Telangi State Forest, those signs coming in that front driveway were blaringly obvious. Blaringly obvious. Main car park. Barbecue area. This trail. That trail. Why did we drive straight past them? We were listening to the wrong voices. Why don't you stand with me tonight? We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.